Well, good afternoon. I was going to tell you guys, you can move over if you want. I mean, it's bring you in a little bit closer. I was going to say something earlier, but I was like, ah, we'll get there. I am very thankful for this church. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to get together. I'm thankful that you're here. Um, there's so much that's going on in this world, and we need this time together of worship and prayer. Um, if, if anything, um, the time of prayer around Brian made my morning. Um, just a reminder that that's when we come to church. We come to worship God and, and to lift each other up in prayer as well as needed, and, and we need that. So, Well, we've been in this series in Philippians 4. You can go ahead and turn there if you want, Philippians 4. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, before we do, I want to share a story with you. Uh, do you guys remember, you know, this isn't so much anymore, but Kool-Aid. you remember the Kool-Aid stands? Older generations, we remember Kool-Aid stands, and now it's been replaced by, I don't even need lemonade stands on occasion, but the Kool-Aid stands, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Carl Boyle. He was a sales representative, and one, one day he was driving through his neighborhood on the way back home from, from work, and he saw children selling Kool-Aid on the corner of, of uh, his neighborhood. And they had that posted typical sign and you know, a little hand, scribbled handwriting that said Kool-Aid, 10 cents. And um, Carl, so Carl was intrigued. He pulled over his car. A little boy came up and he ordered. Uh, the boy was like, would you like grape or strawberry Kool-Aid? So he placed his order and the boy went to go get his Kool-Aid, came back and then took the quarter and went back to the little cigar box and was trying to figure out, okay, he's going to get money back. How much does he get back? Got the appropriate change, went back to Carl Gave him his change and stood by the car and just sort of waited. And, and he asked him, the boy, just sort of as he standing there, and he said, are you almost done drinking your Kool-Aid? And he goes, just about. Why? And the boy said, well, we only have one cup, so we're going to need that back when you're done. <laughs> if they wanted to stay in business, then you're going to need that cup back. And I was just thinking about that. Yeah, it would be difficult to run a Kool-Aid business with only one cup, Right. And then I thought about that a little bit more, and I thought, sometimes we make that same mistake with the church. We sort of think we can run a church uh, with just one cup. All we need is just a pastor, or an elder, or a missionary, or a ministry leader who can share the good news. We just need one spiritual cup to go out and share the good news. In a world that is fighting right now to find peace, and protesting is going on, and we, we want to figure out how to solve this. We as Christians have the answer. We have the answer. And we can't just sort of sit this one out and say, well, let the politicians come up with some new policies to, to answer this, or let's let maybe some great scholars or maybe lawmakers or educators come up with a good plan. We can't wait for military to flex its muscles. We have the answer. We have the peace of God. We have, as we come in here, a multitude of cups that God pours into to go dispense his good news. Not just one cup. Multiple cups. And we must do that. And last week, Pastor Paul did a great job. He shared with us the biblical command to make disciples. And if you remember the scripture from Matthew 28, 18 to 20, I want you to think about this. When Jesus came to this and said, all authority and power has been given to me, I want you to think what all authority and power means. It means all 
authority and power. All the power that created the universe, the galaxies that we can see and the galaxies that we cannot see, all that is beyond our sight that God created, he is a powerful, mighty God. That power, the power to raise the dead, that power is in Jesus Christ. And he stands before these disciples and before us and says, having all this power, I want you now to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey the commands that I've given you. How can we, as believers in Jesus Christ, listening to the most powerful and only God there is, hear that command to go and for us to say, I don't want to go. I just want to sit here. Let somebody else go, right? Have you ever had an authority figure so powerful and big, maybe when you're a little child and you always maybe looked at your mom or dad as that big authority figure or the principal or whoever it may be, and they would walk into that room and they would say, you need to do this. And what's that first thing? You're like, you almost start shaking like, okay, okay, I'll do it, right? Because that's great authority and power that's coming at you right now. Greater than that power, greater than that authority is God. And he comes to us and he says, go and make disciples. Seriously, what excuse do we have for not doing that? But I get it. You know, the command, the command is not just for the pastor or the Bible degree student or the missionary or the elder or the, the deacons of the church or the ministry. It's for all who believe. It's not up to one. It's up to all of us to go dispense this good news. So what is the good news? I mean, because after all, a lot of us are like, I don't know if I can clearly articulate. I think you can. I know you can. But in this scripture that we've been saying during difficult, discouraging, and and desert-like times, we have turned to a man of God who wrote a letter from prison to give us some direction. Here's some good news, and he sort of helps us through this good news and how to give this good news. And so in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, Paul said this. He goes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So he says all of this. So again, we are anxious, we're alone, we're desperate, we're discouraged, we're depressed. And Paul comes along and he gives us, and I'll give you the bullet points here. He goes, he goes hey, God's listening. So go ahead and pray. Hey, God is awesome and great. So when we rejoice, we rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and God fights for me. So let your gentleness be evident to all. God's fighting for me. And then he goes on, the next bullet point was this, he'd be saying, hey, God's with us. He's near. God hears our prayers. He removes our worry. So don't be anxious. And God deserves a big thank you. So sing. Pray. Give thanks. And then two weeks ago, we said, verse 7, that God is peace. He gives us peace that's beyond our understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ. So this is, this is all good news, right? Rejoice in the Lord. God hears our prayers. He's near us. He removes our, our worry. He is he's going to give us peace. It's like, this is good news. It sounds like the kind of news our world needs right now, right? And when that peace of God is standing guard at the entrance of our heart, 
and our mind, when God's peace infiltrates us and rules us, nothing gets past that guard right at our heart. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, we need that. I mean, it's been a stormy couple weeks, hasn't it? I mean, you look at our nation right now and it's like, what's going on? But we have the good news. We have the good news. Think about this. God loves us so much that he gives us his one and only son. We do not deserve Jesus Christ. We do, actually, we deserve hell. But by the grace of God, he gives us heaven. He says, I love you. You don't deserve it, but I love you, and I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. That's grace. And he gives us that. And then with that grace, he gives us his love, and he gives us his peace. We have the peace of God, and I believe that. And I believe that even during these stormy, crazy times that we're in right now, his love, his grace, his peace does not change but it's so hard for me as an individual, though, that I'm supposed to have a peace of mind when all this is going on. It's hard. But here's the thing. I'm that vessel. You're that vessel that God created to pour his grace into, to pour his peace into. But here's the thing. We're not supposed to be just a vessel that holds it and contains it. We are supposed to be like a conduit that lets it run and then flow out of us into others. And we need to be reminded of that truth. The peace of God that's been given to us is beyond our understanding. We talked about that two weeks ago. But I still sit there and think, even though I'm supposed to have that peace, why do I sometimes feel turmoil? Why do I get anxious? Why do I maybe have problems remaining calm? How come my blood gets boiling when I'm watching a certain news clip? How come people are not sleeping well right now at night? I've heard a lot of people say, I've had a hard time sleeping in the last couple months. I've had a hard time dealing with these anxious moments. I, get, I have certain things that pop up. Can I, can I just tell you something, church? You're not alone. You're not alone. There's a lot of people feeling what you are feeling. Experiencing what you are experiencing. It's just obviously different levels with different people. And for me as a Christian, I sometimes, and I sit here and think, you know what, it's it's. It's easier to gripe and complain and argue than it is to be at peace. It is. It's so much easier. It's easier to shout about what makes me mad more than what brings me joy. It's, it's a lot easier to do that. Peacemaking is not always popular, is it? Because we, here's the thing. If I'm going to be the peacemaker in a situation, I'm probably going to end up being the floor mat in that situation. They're just going to step all over me, right? So being that peacemaker is difficult at times. Being a peacemaker right now is like, well, if I don't say anything, I'm just going to be peaceful, and, and I guess maybe that's what I need to do, and then all these other things are going to happen, and what do I do? Again, church, you are not alone. Psalm 120. I'm going to read the scripture to you, because as I've been reading this, I have no idea, but this psalm came, and um, it just made me feel like right now. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You'll be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. How I suffer in far-off Meshach. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. Verse 6, I am tired of living among people who hate peace. Peace. 
I search for peace. But when I speak of peace, they want war. Sound familiar? And I'm reading that, I'm thinking, yeah. That's how I feel. Because here's the thing. Peacemaking is not popular. Okay, it really isn't. I know a lot of people say I'm protesting peacefully. Not with bricks. I don't think bricks are peaceful. Okay? But peacemaking is not always popular. And some people, they prefer to fight for what they believe in. I want to fight for what I believe in, right? And here's the thing. The glory of battle is the hope of winning, right? And if there's a winner, guess what also there is? A loser. That's the glory of battle. The glory of peacemaking is that you may actually produce two winners when you seek peace. Peacemaking is God's way, so we should carefully and prayerfully attempt to be peacemakers. Now, again, in political tension that we sense right now, and in writing times, which we have right now, we need peace. It's God's way. Seek peace. Seek a clean heart. Seek a forgiving spirit, right? And again, we have that good news that brings peace. We, we have that news. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 basically tells us all of this. And it's like, here's what's going on. It's like, and I've got that peace that transcends all understanding and guards my heart. But here's the thing. Even though I've got this, I, I, I can't sit it out. I can't say like, okay, well, I've got God's peace. I'm just going to stand over here and watch what goes down. Again, it's like being that one cup of, of Kool-Aid and thinking well, all we need is one cup. No, we need a lot of cups right now filled with the living water of Jesus Christ dispensing peace out there is what we need. So Paul gives us a very practical means in helping us maintaining that peace. He talks about how we pray and how God removes our worry and that he is near, right? And that he gives us this peace. But then he says, okay, these are the spiritual things that are happening, but here's... Here's what you do. Because we have to understand this. God gives us his spirit, but we are still responsible for our actions and our choices. We still need to be responsible on our end. So Paul says, and you look, and I'm going to read this from uh, the NIV. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable or excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. See, God gives us his spirit, but we have a responsibility too. Paul says, I'm giving you a filter system. Use that filter system. Because actually, if you read on verse 9, it says it talks about how you will experience that peace again. Now, I'm not going to go through all those words. When you look on the screen and you see the, the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable, the excellent, praiseworthy. We could go through all those words and do a word study. But really, if you look them up in the Greek and do a word study, they basically mean what you just read. There's not a lot of great depth and change here. It's, it's pretty clear cut. But I do want to focus on that first one, that first one which is true. What is true? See, some of our greatest fears and our biggest anxieties exist of things that haven't even happened yet. We get worked up and we lose sleep and we lose peace because what well, hasn't happened yet, but it might happen. And, and what about this? And we've got to plan this and this is going to happen. Oh, what if this happens over here? And we get all worked up, right? Has it happened yet? Nope. So is it true? Nope. So why are we all focusing on this? 
Paul says, I want you to think about these things that are true. If it's not true, dismiss it. Things that other people say about you that's not true, what do you do about that? Can you control what comes out of other people's mouths? Nope. Can't control that, can you? You know what's true about you. But what other people say about you, you you can't control that. So don't think about it. You, You can't do anything with it. What we hear, what we watch today can be challenging to wonder if it's true. Let me give you an example. The coronavirus. Okay, that's out there. So I've just touched this podium multiple times today, all three services. So I'm going to spray it down with a bunch of wipes and stuff because I don't want anybody else to touch and get the coronavirus. Oh, wait, but I thought I heard that surfaces don't transfer now. Oh, okay. Well, let's make sure, though, we, we put masks on. Well, masks doesn't really matter. Oh, yes, they do. Well, do they or do they not? I don't know, but let's keep our six feet apart. Well, actually, we can put our arms around each other and hang out as long as we've got a brick in the other hand and we're going to throw it at somebody, right? It's, it's okay if we're together or not together. Is anybody else here confused by everything that's going on, right? That's what I'm just saying. It's like, I think as we learn things, things change. As we learn things, things change. It's like, I don't know if it's true or not. Is it fact or is it fake? Is it conspiracy? Is it controversy? I don't know. There seems so much inconsistency. Paul says this. Finally, brothers, sisters, if it's true, then think about it. If it's not true, I don't know if it's true, then dismiss it. Don't focus on it. Uh, you may have maybe not heard. Let me give you another example. Babylon Bee. Babylon Bee is a, is a website, and it's, a, it's basically a satire, uh, make fun of what's going on type thing. So you have to understand, it's not true. So they post these things that are not true. Give you an example. Uh, President Trump a couple weeks ago was holding up a Bible in front of a church. He got a, a photo taken, and everybody just got mad at him. Okay? So Babylon B is like, okay, we're going to have fun with this one. And so they, if you ever heard of Awana, it's a children's program where you memorize scripture and verses, and a lot of churches have them. I grew up with it with Awana, and you have like a vest, and you get awards and all that kind of stuff. Well, they put President Trump in an Awana vest, and he's like, yeah, I was in Awana, and I learned all the books of the Bible, and, and I played all the games. As a matter of fact, I had to sit down on a couple games and let the other kids win. I was always winning so much, you know, and it's just so funny how they wrote it up. That's a product of Babylon B, okay? It's just satire. It's just make fun of, right? Somebody recently saw one of Babylon B's posts, and the post was they're removing Bibles from bookstores because the Bible contains truth, and boy, the truth is really, you know, we all came from one race. Well, that's going to really mess up the whole racism talk, so we need to get rid of the truth so we can keep up our arguing about racism. And so that's what the Babylon Bee posted. It was just a, a satire. Not true. Somebody posted that, but they didn't read the article. All they read was a headline. Bibles being removed from Barnes and Noble, you know, and that kind of thing. What? Oh, so sad. They've shared it, and they forwarded it, and shared it, forwarded it. And people got these mean faces on there. This is horrible. What is this world coming to? And it's like, this is satire. This is a joke. You are forwarding on a lie. And, you know, they didn't know. Why? Because they didn't read it. And I see that sometimes that's what happens. We don't know if something's true, but we just see a headline or we see a picture, and boom, we start talking, and a lie gets pushed out. And what happens? It creates anxiety. These people are posting and commenting. They're getting all worked up over what? Something that's not even true. Paul says, peace of God that surpasses all understanding, right? And guards our hearts. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, what is true? Focus on it. If it's not true, dismiss it. So ask yourself, before we open our mouths, before we hit the send button or the share button, okay? Ask, is this true? If it's not true, do not send, right? Where does that truth come from? Listen, we need to focus on what is true, not false narratives, not changing messages. We need to focus on something that is true and steady. When our focus shifts from Savior to shifting stories, we lose stability. You need a firm foundation underneath you. You need something that is strong, something that is true. And that's why we go to God's Word, because God does not change. He does not shift on us. He is firm. Uh, Look at Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man. He does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? No, he's God. He does not change. He is our firm foundation. Hebrews 13, 8 to 9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas because your strength comes from God's grace. Jesus does not change. God does not change. His word does not change. This is truth, absolute truth, which we believe as Christians. And God is Lord over all the earth, which includes politicians, policies, viruses, leaders of all sorts and sizes. There are great leaders. There are greedy leaders. There are leaders who are pure in heart, and there are leaders who are not so pure in heart. Regardless of our surroundings, we worship a God who does not change, a Lord who is Lord over all surrounding circumstances. So we place our thoughts on what is true. We place our lives on what is true because God does not change. Our focus is on truth. You follow me, church? So if Paul's saying, finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, is it true? We'll weigh it out. Weigh it with what God says. If it's not true, don't focus on it. You know what it's going to do? It's just going to create chaos in your life and anxiety. What is true? Stand on truth. Truth is like the cornerstone of a building. I was talking to Lindsay Huner a week ago. We were talking about an addition and putting down the groundwork for, for a room. And you lay the footer and then you get the blocks and you put the blocks down. And, and he lays the corner blocks first. See, the, the corner block, the cornerstone, if it is in line, if it is level and in place correctly, the rest of the building is okay. But if your cornerstone is out of place, unlevel, the rest of the house is going to be unstable. It'll be hard to build it. When I was looking in Scripture, I think we all understand this. In Scripture, it says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You see, Jesus is our cornerstone on which we build our foundation, our life on. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone for our faith. Matter of fact, John 14, 6, most of you would know this. It says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Two weeks ago, we said Jesus is the way, right? He's the map. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus is also the truth. 
the truth, the cornerstone, the most important foundational part of our life. If we don't get the truth correct, the rest of our life is unstable. So again, God gives us his Holy Spirit, but it's our responsibility now to put on that filter system and start saying, you know what? Is this true? Is this noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If it's not, dismiss it. That's my, that's my responsibility. And I know there are things that come our way and we wonder, is it true? I don't know. Is it true? I don't know if you've heard this song before. Uh, Big Daddy Weave sings this song, I know. The song goes like this. You don't answer all my questions, but you hear me when I speak. You don't keep my heart from breaking, but when it does, you weep with me. You're so close that I can feel you when I've lost the words to pray. And though my eyes have never seen you, I've seen enough to say, I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I know that you are so much more than what I leave behind. I know that I am loved. I know that I am safe. Because even in the fire to live is Christ, to die is gain, I know that you are good. It's a, it's a really great song. As I'm, as I'm listening to that song, there's so much right now I don't know. There's so much about viruses I don't know. There's so much like, how do you bring peace to this situation over here? I don't know. God, why is this happening? I, I don't know. But you know what I do know is true? And I've discovered in God's word, I know that God is good. I know that he is true. I know that he loves me. I know that I am safe and secure in him. And everything that they were singing about in this song, I'm going, yeah, I know you're kind. I know you're so much more than what I leave behind. And I know I'm loved. I know I'm safe. And it's good sometimes when I don't know how to say it, it's good to hear it in a song and to be reminded of truth. So Paul gives us that, that first thing. Is it true? Church, listen to me. If it's not true, dismiss it. Don't let it in. He goes on with all the others. I'll put those up on the screen for you. Is it noble? Which means, is it honest? Is it right? Is it righteous? Is it innocent? Is it approved by God? Is it pure? That's a good one. Being immaculate, clean, modest, sacred. Listen, especially for men, when we look at something, if it's not modest, what should we be doing? Dismiss it. If it's not modest, I should not be focusing on it. I should not be thinking of it, right? If it's immodest, I'm sorry. If it's immodest, if it's, if it's unclean, don't focus on it. I need to focus on what is pure, what is clean, what is modest. Is it lovely? Is it acceptable? Is it pleasing? If it is, focus on it. Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Then think on it. So he gives us all these things that we are to think on, to focus on. And if it's the opposite of those things... Dismiss them. Get rid of them. And the think, the word that he uses there for think means to compute, to calculate. It's like an accountant's term. To take into account, to count up the way the reasons. Paul says, you know, he understands this. Much of what comes to us as, as, as people is a battle that takes place in our mind. Romans 12, 2 speaks to the essential place that we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 talks about that we destroy Arguments of every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take thought every thought, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul's like saying, "Listen, you got a bad thought that comes in. You have every right and reason to be the spiritual police 
and take captive that thought, put it in cuffs, and just march it out. You don't belong here. That's okay. Take that thought captive. Get rid of it. Dismiss it. We choose to meditate on what matters, what is true. Now, when I think about all this, it's like, okay, so Rex, we've gone through verses 4 through 7. We come to verse 8. Now we have a little bit more practical application. How do I live out this peace and, and the work of God's Spirit in me? What is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, right? We've got those. you got them got memorized, right? Good. Okay. So think about this. 1986, a prolonged sanitation strike left the city of Philadelphia in a huge mess. The local landfill, they were not hauling the garbage off to that local landfill. To dump. It was just in the streets. All this garbage just piling up. What do you do with it? Well, this is what they decided to do. They decided to go ahead and put it on a ship. Okay, true story. You can look this up. And they sent it out to sea to maybe think, where can we go dump all this trash? Here's what happened. As they went from country to country, they went to the Bahamas, Bermuda, Honduras, Dominican Republic, Cape Verde. They went to Sri Lanka, Indonesia, the Philippines. And every time they came with that ship to a port, the port authority said, nope. You can turn that ship around and head back out to sea. We're not going to let you dump your garbage in our nation, in our country. At one point in time, the frustrated captain of the ship started dumping a lot of it out into the water, but they kept about 4,000 tons of what was rechristened as fertilizer, and he delivered it to unsuspecting uh, officials in Haiti. When it got to Haiti, the officials of the Port Authority said, nope, turn them back around again. For 12 years, this ship was out in the ocean, garbage just floating, trying to find a home. It finally went back to Philadelphia is where it ended up. Now, and I've heard that story, and I've shared it before a long time ago, but I want you to think about this. I want you to look at your life. I want you to think about the lies, the junk, the impurities that come to you. It doesn't take far. All you got to do is turn this on, and next thing you know, you're being bombarded a lot of times with garbage. There's good stuff on there, and there's also garbage. It happens on our TV, happens on our radio, happens in the things we read, happens with certain people we hang out with. There are certain things that come into our life that are not godly. Like trash, bad attitudes, crazy work hours, griping, complaining, high expectations, along with all those other sinful things, come in and they sort of start to pile up. And all these things accumulate in our life. And what happens? Then we start getting angry and we start getting bitter and depressed and we feel guilty. We get anxious, right? All of that trash begins to stink and it soon affects not only us, but other relationships. A few years back, we had a birthday party at our house. And whenever we had a birthday party with the cousins, all, they all come over. And then there's usually a lot of food. And that food, you know, uh, gets eaten. Except for there's always some scraps or whatever. And then it gets thrown in the trash. Put the trash up. Take it out in the garage. And then it sits in the garage in 90 degree weather for like three or four days. And then it stinks. You know what I'm talking about? And it got to the point one time where the boys, they walked around the garage and came in a different door and said, we're not walking in the garage. It stinks in there. See, our garbage not only affects us, but it affects others too. And for us, we need to remember this. We are the spiritual port authorities of our lives. When the garbage, the sinfulness, the impurity start coming our way, oh, that's not true. That's not pure. That's not lovely. It's what? It's garbage, right? You are the port authorities of your life. 
by the power of Jesus Christ and his spirit that resides in you, you have the authority to say, not here. You're not dumping that here, Satan. Racism, hatred, violence, it is sin. And it stinks like trash, no doubt about it. But there are other sins too. Adultery, drunkenness, lying, cheating, pride. Those are sins as well. And we have to stop focusing and recording and reposting our sins over and over. Listen carefully. I'm not dismissing the sickness of sin. Okay? I'm just saying that I'm going to focus on the cure. Sin is sin. It needs to be confessed, but it does not need to be glamorized and reposted. Acknowledge the issue. Share the cure. You know, are we focused on the pain and the problems or are we focused on the cure, on the peace of God? So I'm going to put it another way, and this is sort of a, a gross illustration, but maybe it will help, okay? Somebody gets sick in your house, okay? Somebody you love, they get sick, and they're just vomiting and throwing up all over the place. What do you do? Now, for some of you, you are sympathetic pukers. You know what I mean by that? You see somebody else sick, and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't get close, right? You just, the smell is enough, and you're like, you just hear them, and you're like, I'm out of here. Some of you are like, I'll help you. You put your hand on their back, and you sort of rub their back, and you help them get to the bathroom, then you get them laying on the couch, and you help clean them up, and you, you want to help them feel better, right? And then you'll go back, and then you'll sort of take care of the mess. Nobody in this room, I'm going to guarantee nobody in this room does this. Oh, hey, wow, that sounds bad. Let me get that on video. Whoa, can you, can you, like, can you sort of like project it out a little bit further? I didn't, okay, great, nice. And let me see, let me see. Yeah, that's really, that's nasty. And oh, yeah, that smells like vomit. That, so that, I remember you ate that the other night. Yeah, okay. Nobody does that, right? If you do, please see me after church. I'm going to set up a counseling appointment with you, okay? Because that's just wrong, okay? But that's what we're doing today. Vomit is like sin. It is gross. Because of what's going on inside us, it comes out and it affects everybody. And it is it's sick, it's nasty, right? And when we see somebody struggling, we want to do what? We want to help them out. We don't glamorize the puke, right? We want to help the one who's hurting. We want to give them an opportunity to get better. Today, I feel like we are glamorizing the puke. We're looking at the sin that's out there, and it's all we talk about is the sin. Even as Christians, we talk about the sin, and we post the sin. I get it. I understand. But as Christians, we need to start talking about the cure. We need to post the cure. We need to help people clean up the mess that's going on. And let's, let's face it, there's only one who's going to make this all clean in the end, and that's going to be Christ. But we've got the cure. Dave, you can come on forward. Like I said, it's probably not the greatest illustration, especially around lunchtime, but you get the, well, I say you get the picture. Maybe you don't want to get the picture. But I was thinking about that, and it's like, God's given us his peace. We need to filter through. Is this true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? We need to focus on that. Stop focusing on all the junk. Let's focus on what is true. 
Because when we do, I think we have a better way of combating what's going on in this world. And I think we can get, actually see the peace of God that he wants to give us. And, and let me give you another, one more practical thought here before we sing. Growing up, um, I would often wake up hearing my mom say, breakfast is ready. And that's the way she said it too. Like, breakfast is ready. It wasn't breakfast is ready. Okay, it was, it was like a nice tone to it, right? And I don't know about some of you in here, whether you ever woke up to that or maybe you woke up to Get up, you're late. Maybe that's what some of you wake up to. I don't know. Uh, Our moms are all different, right? But my mom, seriously, all the time, and it wasn't, I was just like, it wasn't all the time, but the majority of the time, it was that. Breakfast is ready, and then you go downstairs, and you go to the kitchen, and I'm not talking Fruit Loops or Fruity Pebbles, okay? I'm talking eggs, bacon, um, might be pancakes, if uh, it was, maybe she did grits every now and then for dad, okay? But, Wake up and feast. That's what it was. You know, my mom is 88, and she still does that. When we go to visit her, and I hope to see her again real soon, we'll, I'll come out of the, there's like an apartment attached to her house. I'll come out of the apartment, I'll go into the kitchen, and she will have some kind of breakfast already mi- mixed up. And she'll look at me and she'll say, hey, breakfast is ready. You ready to eat? She knows the boys won't get up for another hour, but she looks at me and Jenny and says, you ready to eat? And and I love that because I believe God does the same thing. I believe when we wake up in the morning, God's like getting ready to call out to us and say, hey, breakfast is ready. I know you're going to face a rough day. You're probably going to turn on the media. You're going to turn on on the news. You're going to, somebody's going to come out and you're going to, you're going to hear a bunch of stuff today that isn't true. You're going to hear a bunch of stuff that isn't very lovely. You're, you're going to see some things that aren't very pure. You need to feast on my word before you face any of that. You're going to need the spiritual nourishment to face all of that. So breakfast is ready. Have a seat at my table and feast with me this morning. Church, at that point in time, it's very easy to say this. I can choose at that moment God or Google. I can choose Yahweh or YouTube. I can choose my Savior or social media. I can choose Facebook or my faith. I get to choose how I start the day. And I want to encourage you, when you wake up, just listen for God's voice to say, breakfast is ready. Dig into his word. You're going to need it. I'm going to need it. Because we need what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Amen? Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're an amazing God. And Lord, I just think of all that goes on around us. And it's so hard sometimes to discern what is true. So help us to go to your word where we find truth and we find direction. And God, when we get confused by what we see in this world or we get discouraged, God, maybe it's because we're eating the wrong thing. Maybe we're not feasting on your word. Maybe we're feasting on news or social media or rumors or gossip or what somebody else said. God, forgive us for that and help us to put our focus, to fix our thoughts on what is true. Because God, we need peace. It's hard for us to dispense your peace to others if we are not at peace ourselves. So fill us, Lord, with your peace so we can share that with others. We love you, Lord. Jesus Christ.